Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, we have an update on our outreach to prisoners from our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, and Steve Butler will offer the next lesson in our study of why we should explore Bible prophecy. Be sure to check out our website for all the latest resources, books, and DVDs that will inform and encourage you. Visit our website, swrc.com. Now it's time to get our Bibles out and join author and teacher Steve Butler for today's look at the importance of exploring Bible prophecy. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 22. That's in the Old Testament. Oh, it's about a third of the way in, approximately, in your Bible from the front, from Genesis. Uh, if you get into the book of Job, you've not gone far enough to the right. And if you get into Proverbs, you've gone a little bit too far to the right. So you want to get into Psalms, and there's quite a few of them there, 150. So you should be able to locate the, the, the whole uh, book of Psalms. And we want to go to, to Psalm 22. And I read it last time, and I'm just going to take each section and break it down uh, and line it up with the New Testament scriptures that you see next to Psalm 22 on the worksheet at point number six. So let's look at the first uh, few verses there. And we're Psalm 22, starting at verse 11, it says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. And of course, one of the scriptures that we use, we actually went back to Matthew 26, which you see is the first scripture used. And that, of course, was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he was betrayed uh, by Judas, uh, who had um, been paid 30 pieces of silver, which will, that's another great prophecy we'll talk about later on here, that uh, was paid 30 pieces of silver by the high priests and the, um, the, the priestly council to betray Jesus, and now he's led the priest and probably soldiers and other authorities to Jesus there in the garden. And Matthew 26 is a description of that in verses 51 to 56, and Jesus is saying to his followers that if you, if you knew the Old Testament prophetic scriptures, you would know that this has to happen as exactly as it's unfolding. And so, therefore, you have the first taste, if you will, of being surrounded by authority figures, being surrounded by the bulls, as he says, the bulls of Bashan. And that's an Old Testament description of strength because the bulls of Bashan, and Bashan was a place located up on the Golan Heights in the northeast corner of Israel, which borders Syria. So that's a a hot spot even today and and will, will be going forward for the conflict in Israel between Israel and its neighbors. So that's the first example. The next one would be in Matthew 27. So let's go to Matthew. Let's keep our hand in Psalm 22 because we're going to make five different references to that prophecy uh, as it's fulfilled in the New Testament. So keep your, your hand in Psalm 22. And let's go to Matthew 27. We go to verse 27. And it says in Matthew 27, 27, Then the soldiers of the governor, which was Pilate, took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. So now you can really appreciate the meaning of 
the strong bulls of Bashan have surrounded me by that particular scripture there in Matthew 27. Uh, but again, you can also see it in Matthew 26 with a high priest coming. So uh, you could even say there's a couple of fulfillments, but I think specifically Matthew 27, 27 uh, addresses it uh, point on about the Roman cohort, the Roman battalion being an example of the the ultimate authority figure in Israel at that time, since they were ruled by the Roman uh, Roman government. Then the next one uh, is in verse 14. It says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. So let's go to uh, John. Keep your hand in Psalm 22. Psalm 22. And let's go to the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We want to go to John 19. If you've gone to Acts, you've gone a little too far to the right. Back up to John. John chapter 19 and verse 34. And it says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Now the blood and the water is in verse 14. It says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. These are descriptions. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. All of those individual lines of verse 14 are a physiological description of what the body goes through during that horrible execution method called crucifixion. And we don't want to get into the, the medical details of, right, of that right now, but I have sat through medical descriptions of crucifixion before, and it's a rather distasteful, certainly gory way of dying. But in this particular uh, verse, it says, I am poured out like water. And it says there that water and blood came out of him when the soldier pierced his side with his spear to make sure that he was dead on the cross before they took him down. Then the next one is uh, back to Psalm 22. So back to Psalm 22. In verse 15, my strength is dried up like a pot shard, a piece of pottery. Uh, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. So the point here that uh, is being made, um, and this is David prophesying through the, the Holy Spirit, prophesying through David about Christ. And in verse 15, it talks about Jesus being dried up like a pot shard. So we go to back to the book of John chapter 19. So keep your hand in Psalm 22. Go back to John 19. And let's look at verses 28 through 30. And it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Verse 30, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So the last thing that Jesus, uh, the last action that Jesus took was to say, I am thirsty. And they gave him something to moisten his parched mouth. And that's exactly what was described here in this sequence of events. Back to Psalm 22, the, the sequence of events that the, the body goes through in the process of a crucifixion. So we see that fulfillment of, of uh, verse 13 about Jesus being parched. 
Then let's move on to uh, 16 and 17. It says in verse 16 of Psalm 22, For the dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. So you have the picture of the cross with Jesus on it and, of course, the the, uh, criminals on either side to the right and left and a crowd of people around. You had the bystanders. You had the Marys that are there and John and so forth, the some of the apostles, and a crowd of soldiers as well. So you have a band of evildoers, the soldiers and the mockers uh, were had encompassed me. And the end of verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 17, I can count all my bones. They, they look, they stare at me. So there's two particular points here that we want to address in the New Testament. The first one is they pierced my hands and my feet. One of the things to really understand here, and you have to do some research to come up with it, is to find out that this is prophesied a thousand years before Christ ever walked the earth. So over a thousand years at the point of his crucifixion. Execution method of crucifixion had not been invented and would not be invented for hundreds of years Uh, The idea of driving nails into the hands and into the feet had not been invented yet. Yet it's prophesied right here, uh, about as specific as you can get. So that's the first point, is the fact that the crucifixion had not been invented yet for hundreds of years. And then the next point is, I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. And in the process of crucifixion, particularly if they wanted uh, you know, to use uh, just a vernacular, the soldiers wanted to get out of there. They wanted to go home. They would expedite the death of the um, person on the cross. See, they didn't immediately die, and that was one of the horrible things about crucifixion, that they would let, they would hang there on the cross and would slowly suffocate because they couldn't lift their, lift their um, bodies up because the Weight was, their their heart was like it was melting like wax under heat, which we read earlier in this passage, and that the lungs were being compressed and they couldn't get their breath, so they would push themselves up. Even though their feet were nailed to the cross, they would push up just to get a breath, just to survive. So what the soldiers would do to expedite death after a period of time was to go up to each one and take a big stick and break their legs. Break their legs so that there was no way that they could lift themselves up so within a very short period of time they would suffocate. I mean, it's just a horrible thing to think about. And it it makes the decision by Christ to be crucified even more precious to understand what, what he went through and the details of that. But in his particular case, and let's go to John, so uh, we're going to come back to Psalm 22 one more time, so keep your hand there. Let's go back to John 19, John 19, verse 33, and it says, but coming to Jesus, so the soldiers were going, well, let's go to 32, just to get a clarification in context. Verse 32, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him, so the, the thieves on both sides had their legs broken because they were still alive. But you'll recall in the verses just prior to this where Jesus said, I'm thirsty, and they gave him a drink of the sour wine, and immediately after that, he gave up his spirit and died. 
So when you have a better understanding when you get to verse 33 that says, but coming to Jesus, when they, the soldiers, saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. They did not break his legs. So that's a key point to understand in verse 17 back in Psalm 22 when it says, I can count all my bones. The point is, they're not broken. And we'll talk in a little bit more detail about that in another passage that's even older than this one, talking about the sacrificial lamb, which Jesus, of course, was the ultimate sacrificial lamb. The bones of that lamb were not to be broken. So we'll talk about that here uh, in a few more verses here in point number six. All right, in Psalm 22, the last one point we want to make here is verse 18. They, and they're talking about the soldiers, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. For my clothing they cast lots. So let's go in the, in the um, New Testament, and just for a change up, let's go to Mark. Uh, the, the different uh, Gospels have different degrees of detail, and I just thought we'd uh, vary this up a little bit. And let's go to the Gospel of Mark, and let's go to Mark chapter 15. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, in Mark 15, verse 24, it says, And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide which man should take, what each man should take. I mean, look at the detail of that. Not only did the soldiers divide up his garments, but they cast lots to decide what each man would take. I mean, that's that's basically a direct <laughs> lift, if you will, right out of Psalm 22, prophesied a thousand years before this happened. That is, uh, that's absolutely an amazing prophecy, as as all of them are. But hopefully you see as we're going through these, and we're just beginning to go through these, and we'll go to Psalm 16 next, going through these, you can see the detail in which each of these prophecies is given, um, in this case, a thousand years before Jesus was crucified, and then to see in the New Testament how they turn out in, in, in such detail, casting lots, just as it said the Roman soldiers would do. They're doing the same thing uh, in, um, in this particular case. It was in Mark 15. I think that was an amazing passage there in Psalm 22. Let's go back to Psalm 22 and go further to the left, and let's go to Psalm 16. And in Psalm 16, we have 8 through 10, and um, we'll, we'll go to Acts here in a few moments uh, to follow up with that as a prophecy fulfillment. So in Psalm 16, Psalm 16, let's look at 8 through 10. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will not allow your Holy One, and that's a reference to Jesus, to undergo decay. So let's go to Acts 13, and let's see what kind of fulfillment we have a thousand years later. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
And the next book is Acts, the Acts of the Apostles after Jesus was glorified, resurrected and glorified back to his Father's right hand. Acts 13, starting at verse 29, and let's uh, go to the end of the uh, chapter, to verse 41, I'm sorry. Acts um, 29 to 41. When they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Verse 34, as for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. For David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore take heed, so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. So he's talking about resurrection here. He's talking about the fact that even though David is dead, he's still in the grave, there is a point in time in the future when he will resurrect David. He will resurrect all of us. We are only two days away from our next conference. This Friday and Saturday, Southwest Radio Ministries heads to Johnson City, Tennessee. You're invited to join a full lineup of speakers as they bring clarity to the chaos with two full days of insight and information. Dr. Scott Stripling, archaeologist and biblical scholar, will share the latest exciting archaeological finds from Israel. Josh Davis will share the latest information on the push for a complete one-world system. And there will be a very special question-and-answer time dealing with the topic of spiritual warfare with experts Dr. Greg Patton and Dr. Ken Copley. There's even a special piano praise concert with Dr. Lonnie Shipman. This Friday and Saturday, March 3rd and 4th, in Johnson City, Tennessee. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144. Or you can visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. Now, here's Pastor Larry Spargimino with an update on our outreach to prisoners across the country. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Larry. Southwest Radio Church does have a prison ministry. It is one of the really important things that we do as a Christian ministry. And so this is our prison ministry update. We like to keep our listeners informed 
about what is happening and what are our needs. Jesus came to set the captive free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said in Luke 4.18, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Crime is rampant in America today. It is a major problem. We cannot pick up the newspapers or look at the evening news without hearing of some robbery, some murder, some hijacking. Some of the crimes are really heinous and vicious. Some of the crimes are against the elderly, against women, and against children. I was speaking to an individual while traveling to a conference, and I told that person about Southwest Radio Church, and I mentioned our prison ministry. The response was, those people in prison belong in prison. They're criminals. Why do you have a ministry to them? I explained that we are certainly making no attempt to exonerate criminals, nor are we soft on crime. In fact, I think that is one of the reasons why we have so much crime. We're soft on crime. In some places, we coddle the criminals and harass the law-abiding citizens. Yet I am reminded of the fact that Jesus died for criminals as well as their victims. And I am reminded of the fact that some people have grown up in very confusing and disturbing circumstances. Confusing circumstances, being raised in a broken home, abuse and mistreatment, none of those things excuse a criminal from incarceration. But those things do help us explain why people act the way they do and they create within our heart a heart of compassion. I have often said people need love the most when they deserve it the least. That is very true, especially for those who are in prison. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that includes you and me. Not a one of us is innocent. 1 John chapter 1, verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We're all guilty of sin, yet the miracle of salvation is offered to us freely and graciously by God himself. I'm reminded that there were two thieves on crosses next to Jesus. They were both criminals. They were both undeserving of anything from God but wrath. But one criminal said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. God is a God of salvation, a God of redemption. But there's another reason for a prison ministry. Many of the men and women who are incarcerated have relatives and loved ones. Some have mothers and fathers. Some have wives and husbands and maybe children. All of these loved ones are grieved that their son or daughter or whatever the relationship is, that they're in prison. They're concerned. What's going to happen to my son in prison? Is prison just a waste of time for him or for her? Many of these relatives are so happy to know that the inmate is reading the Bible, learning the Word of God, and developing socially acceptable skills of holding down a job and walking in the ways of the Lord, all because of our ministry, the prison ministry of Southwest Radio Church and the materials that we supply them with. Believe me, moms and dads are sometimes worried sick about their son in prison. They're worried sick about evil influences that they may be subjected to 
while in prison. And so it's with these concerns in mind that many thank us for our prison ministry and for the literature, the Bibles, and good Christian reading materials that we are providing to those who are incarcerated. And I want to thank those of you who have personally contributed to our prison ministry. I know of one mother in particular who has no relatives in prison, but she contributes regularly to the prison ministry. We correspond on a regular basis with prisoners, and we often get letters from prisoners thanking us for our prison ministry. In fact, some of those who are in prison actually send us funds, donations, if you will, to assist us in our ministry. I want to read a letter from one such prisoner. Dear brothers and sisters, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the newsletter and the calendar. And then that inmate says, We are drawing ever closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am enclosing my tithe of $15 to be used where needed most. And then this dear brother writes, quote, Hopefully, Jesus will be returning for us soon. The signs are there, and the global elites are birthing the beast system in Davos, Switzerland. We must be vigilant, close quotes. I used to serve as a volunteer chaplain with the Oklahoma Department of Corrections. American prisons are the best in the world, but I can tell you being in prison is confinement, and no one likes that, even in the best prisons you can imagine. So friends, I want to really thank you so much for your help in contributing to this ministry. And if you can't give a cent, pray for it. Pray for those in prison. Pray for our ministry to men and women who are incarcerated. We receive an answer prayer request from inmates on a regular basis. We send them a Bible and the book, A Christian's Guide to Prison Survival. We also send out our newsletter and include other resources we have available to send to prisoners free of charge. Now, that's right. For prisoners, this material is free of charge, and of course, we pay the postage. I want to emphasize that all donations to the prison ministry uh, must be marked specifically for the Onesimus Prison Ministry so we can continue to send out those materials and minister to those men and women who are incarcerated. The best way to keep people out of prison is to have them walk with Jesus. I hope your kids go to a good Bible-believing church and that you go with them. They look up to mom and dad. Please set a good example for them. Pray for Southwest Radio Church. We are under new leadership, but holding tight to the great truths of God's word and boldly proclaiming those truths. And I see in so many letters and reports and calls that I get that we are blessing many, many people. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for helping us in this great work. I want to leave you with one verse from God's Word. We believe it with all of our hearts. It's Acts chapter 20, verses 26 and 27. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We have an outstanding resource for you to consider today that will keep you informed and deepen your knowledge of Bible prophecy. It's the Prophecy in the News magazine. 
Prophecy in the News magazine equips you with useful articles and insight written from a biblical perspective and always encouraging you to keep looking up. Subscribe to Prophecy in the News magazine when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.